the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Southern California Live. And I'm your host, Ed Carlson. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to be with you all. And I hope you have been encouraged and challenged today. We want to continue to hear from you. So this is a live show, and we want to hear from you. So give us a call at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. Or shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's SoCalLive at KKLA.com. But I want to jump in. I don't want to take a lot of time because we have a special guest with us. And I, anytime I do that, I don't want to belabor you hearing from me. I want to actually bring this person in. But I want to jump into another huge topic today. And that is the topic of PTSD and the emotional distress that is far more common with far more people than we fully realize. The reason I want to talk about this today, I was thinking about it uh, a few weeks ago as I was getting ready to um, fill in again here on the show, and um, I realized that you know during the holidays can be a, a time where really those that have some emotional distress or what we maybe call PTSD, a lot of times during the holidays when everybody else thinks it's just a great time, it can be a really horrible time for, for those that have experienced trauma in their life. And so from what we as a people have been through over the last couple of years, even I, I thought about that as well, you know, just the, and maybe it weren't big traumas, but what everybody's experienced over the last couple of years since the pandemic and just everything, I think the world has changed so dramatically that there are what I would call little traumas. And we're going to talk about that as well, but everybody has really experienced little traumas over the last couple of years, adding to that, all the, all the life stuff that, that was part of people's lives before that and still part of your life today. And, and we have a big problem. We have a big problem in our world with anxiety. Uh, we have a big problem in our world with depression, with suicide. And, and I really believe that much of that has to do with what we term as PTSD, what we call post-traumatic stress disorder. So here's the top layer of facts about regarding PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder develops in some people following a traumatic event. The event, or what we would call the stressor, could be exposure to death or threatened death, actual or threatened serious injury, or actual or threatened sexual violence. The sufferer may be directly exposed, maybe indirectly exposed through a family member or close friend experiencing the event, or extremely or repeatedly indirectly exposed through his or her work, such as, if, such as maybe if they're out there, first responders, police officers military personnel, uh, social workers. Common trauma, what we would consider common trauma experiences are combat, car accidents, natural disasters, abuse, rape, mass violence. And it should be noted that, that combat PTSD, and I say that because you'll hear from our special guest here in a second, but it should be noted that combat PTSD is a bit different than other forms of PTSD. But all of it is important. 
after these traumatic events that we go through in our lives, and I personally myself experienced just some health issues over the last year, just of little traumas just piled up over the years that just I just didn't even think a thing of them, to be honest with you. But after these traumatic events, most people will show signs of stress, such as feeling on edge, anxiety, fear, anger, feelings of depression, a sense of detachment, desire to avoid trauma-related reminders, they'll have flashbacks, difficulty sleeping, headaches, changes in appetite, irritability, self-blame, what we'd call survivor's guilt, or a sense of numbness. And for most people, these reactions lessen and eventually subside with time, but not for everybody. And those who develop PTSD have persistent symptoms for more than one, more than one month. Other symptoms for PTSD sufferers include intrusive re-experience of the trauma, such as uh, recurrent involuntary memories, nightmares, or disassociation, avoidance of trauma-related thoughts or feelings or external reminders. They will have negative changes in their thoughts or behavior, including at times an, an inability to recall details related to that trauma. They can have persistent negative beliefs about oneself or the world. A loss of interest is what we'll see a lot of times, or feelings of alienation or inability to express positive emotions. There's a hypervigilance to many of them, reckless behavior, sleep disturbances. And in PTSD sufferers, these symptoms cause significant impairment in their work, but mainly in their social functioning. The United States National Center for PTSD estimates that there are 5.2 million adults suffering from the disorder in any given year on average. That's a lot, folks. PTSD resulting from participation in combat seems to be unique from other forms of PTSD, according to the study. In combat situations, military personnel are often both victim and aggressor, a dynamic which can add some complexities to the issue. Often those with combat-specific PTSD will exhibit depression, extreme feelings of guilt, hypervigilance, low self-esteem. It can even be particularly difficult for combat veterans to process through the atrocities that they have witnessed or come to a place of acceptance over the things that they've been tasked to do and to readjust to what we would call non-combat living. And to help us with this combat veteran side of things, but also to talk about just PTSD in general, I've asked my friend and associate pastor, uh, Rudy Swigert, to join me today. Rudy was born and raised in Southern California. Upon graduating high school, he joined the Navy to see the world. He was stationed in Virginia and San Diego and served aboard aircraft carriers, destroyers, and cruisers, specializing in radar navigation and air traffic control. Over the span of a 25-year career, he climbed the ranks from enlisted to officer and experienced many deployments to Europe, Asia, and the Middle East in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. Along the way, he earned his bachelor's degree from Azusa Pacific University in organizational leadership. Currently, he runs his own business and serves on staff as the associate pastor of His Place Church in Huntington Beach. Rudy is married to his lovely wife, Mai, and their blended family has six wonderful children, and they currently reside in Tustin, California. Rudy, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. So you are so good. I told the, the, uh, the, you know, when he came in, I said, look for, I have a, a friend that's coming to be on the show. I said, look for the real tall, bald, ugly guy. 
There you and, go. You know what, and they found you. You got it just Thanks right. Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> um, Rudy, uh, man, I, I, I'm so glad you're on the show. And, and, and this topic has been somewhat of, uh, an important one for me recently uh, as I'm you know, trying to navigate even my own uh, life, my own past and what I've experienced, but also f- uh, friends and people within my own church. Um, so I'm glad you're here, and we're going to have a really healthy, long talk about it. And folks, I want you to give us a call. If, you, if you've struggled with PTSD or you know people that do and you want to know how to help, please give us a call. Call us at 888-52-TALK. That's 888-528-2557. Rudy, tell us your story. Uh, going, back, going back to the military, like when you joined and leading us through the end of that journey. So when you joined the military, I don't need to necessarily know when you, you were five years old and you, you know, you like cotton candy, but like when you went to the military and, and that journey all the way through the end of your active duty. Yeah. So I, I really love how you, how you unpacked the whole entry into that segment about, uh, PTSD, you know, having different variations, combat related, non-combat related, um, you know, how to adapt and adjust to being home after uh, combat missions or combat deployments. But I, my, my entry into the military started right after high school, back in 1989. Um, I knew then what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go to college uh, after coming out of high school. I didn't want to live at home, and I didn't want to, live at, I didn't want to work at the grocery store. So the military was something that got me away from home, uh, and allowed me to to earn a living, earn a paycheck, have some benefits, and figure out what it was that I wanted to do. So um, when I saluted the American flag for the first time in uniform as a United States sailor, as a service member, I immediately felt just this um, overwhelming understanding of not just patriotism, but identity. So my identity fell right into... Um, a military service member. So I, I started the first part of my career in Virginia uh, on board a uh, aircraft, aircraft carrier and then a cruiser, like you mentioned, radar navigation and air traffic control. Came back to, to San Diego. I wanted to come back to the West Coast. Uh, came to, a, to another ship, brought my family. I got married young, which is not an uncommon story in the military. So I had two children uh, before I was 23 years old. Wow. Uh, brought them across the United States uh, back to San Diego, uh, where I served on board another ship before transitioning to shore duty. And believe it or not, after eight years of consecutive sea duty, finally being on shore duty is when my my, my marital problems hit. Um, and so I ended up uh, getting divorced when I was on when I was on shore duty. Uh, and that was a time period where I was climbing the ranks. Uh, I had just picked up. Uh, E7 in the Navy, and I love that this that this broadcast uh, takes us into San Diego and the fleet concentration areas, which is a high Navy population. But an E7 in the Navy uh, as a Navy chief that was that was a big deal, uh, and that was a that was a big transition for me. And I was going through the divorce during that transition, and then 9/11 hit, uh, and everything changed. Right. So when 9/11 hit, everything that we understood with respect to um, defense, how we defend ourselves. We, we, we weren't able to um, uh, be on base in large numbers after that. Things just kind of got wonky, if you will. Um, but that was about the time that I was getting ready to transition back to sea duty. And so having custody of my kids, going back to sea um, was not an option for me. So I decided to, to leave active duty uh, as a newly, uh, newly promoted uh, Navy chief but I had enough wherewithal after 12 years of service to walk across the street and join the reserves. 
So I continued my, my career now in the reserves, working a full-time job uh, as a defense contractor, um, wearing business suits instead of a Navy uniform. But one week in a month, I would go back in uh, and serve uh, in my reserve unit. Little did I know that, or th- that uh, being a reservist didn't put an end to my deployments. So in 2006, I deployed uh, for the first time uh, as a reservist doing a boots-on-ground tour in Kuwait, uh, working on a Navy customs mission for about seven months. And then uh, again in 2000, uh, 2009 and 2010, I was in Camp Buka, Iraq, working uh, detainee operations um, there in southern Iraq. The The difference between my Kuwait and my Iraq deployment was I, I earned a commission in between those two. So my Kuwait deployment, I submitted a commission package, received a commission as an officer, Went to Iraq, not as a senior enlisted guy, but as a junior officer uh, working for the Army with two bosses. I had, I had one Army boss and one Navy boss. And that was weird. That was weird in many ways because I had um, – I didn't understand what my role was as a junior officer even though I knew what I had gone there to do. But my support system in the chief's mess with the Navy chiefs um, was, was now uh, no, no longer there for me. So it was a really – tough deployment on many fronts. This is uh, coming up towards towards the, the last part of my career. Um, doing a job that I uh, had just newly been trained to do, right? If you recall, I was working radar navigation and uh, air traffic control, and now you sent me to do a boots-on-ground tour uh, wearing a different kind of uniform with motivated sailors that are doing a great job. But uh, now I'm in a place where uh, things can potentially fall out of the sky and blow me up, right? So that added a whole different level of stress to my work life. Um, and then what, what's interesting in the reserves, and some of you may resonate with this, is when you come home from deployment and you're released from your active duty status and put back into the reserves, that's really about a week's time. From the time you leave the desert, you leave the sandbox, you arrive home, everybody's clapping for you, you get about five days of decompression and paperwork, and then you're back out into the civilian community. So I'm sitting at home in my, in my living room where everything's supposed to be safe, uh, but my, that, that hypervigilance that you mentioned, that hypersensitivity that I had been working in for 14 months in an austere environment was still, was still within my body at that time. Um, so, you know, with, with that experience in, in coming home, what happens is that I no longer have to carry my weapon 24 seven and that's foreign to me. Um, I have this hypervigilance in my body where I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, looking out my window, maybe cleaning my home weapons, uh, just anxious all the time. And so of course, what do I do? I push down that anxiety by self-medicating with alcohol and uh, or deferring with, with anger because uh, I, I no longer have to operate at such high levels of stress uh, with a hypervigilance uh, anymore. So that, yeah. that doesn't bode well for relationships. No. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, this is Ed Carlson, and you're listening to Southern California Live here on 99.5 KKLA, and we are discussing PTSD and its effect on individuals with veteran and pastor Rudy Swigert. If you want to get in on the discussion, give us a call right now at 888-52-TALKS. Uh, we have just a little bit of time before we go on our first break. Uh, looking back, and, and I've heard the stories, and we'll maybe talk about it a little bit in the second, second uh, segment, but looking back, 
what do you feel was the moment or moments that kind of pushed you over the edge, so to speak, and was the cause of your PTSD? I know it's all encompassing, but do you remember the, the moment or maybe it was the mission or whatever that kind of kind of pushed you over the edge? Yeah, so I mentioned, you, you know, I'm home in a safe environment after just a few days before being in the desert in this uh, crazy, dangerous environment. But when being home sets in, you realize that I've got nothing to guard. I've got no mission. I've got no camaraderie of people around me. Um, and so that— Nobody understands you. Yeah. Right. And so that, that identity that, that I mentioned early on after I joined the Navy, that identity, that big piece of me as a United States service member— was now gone. And I was thinking, wait a minute, I was just five days ago in uniform doing the hard job overseas. And here I am with, with n- nothing to guard, um, you know, uh, nothing to protect, no more unit, no more mission camaraderie. Uh, and I'm, you know, supposed to go back to work in my civilian job and, and act like status quo. Very, so, so I think looking back, those moments of just, um, no identity. Uh, how do I fit in here? I don't know how to fit in because the only way that I've ever fit in was in uniform doing a job that I was trained to do. And now I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. There's an interesting article that uh, I read just the last couple of days talking about PTSD. Because, folks, this is not just about combat PTSD, but even you know non-combat stuff, just life itself. But there's a former TikTok moderator by the name of Candy Frazier um, who has uh, sued – TikTok, and I, and, I, and I want to just read this really quick. She's suing the social media company for neglect, um, alleging that it ignored the mental well-being of its moderators who watched thousands of acts of extreme and graphic violence, which you saw it in person, but, you know, she had to watch it. Frazier is part of a pending class action lawsuit filed against ByteDance, which owns TikTok, in California Central District Court. While working for a third-party contracting firm, TELUS International, Frazier and her colleagues witnessed countless hours of potentially offensive footage allegedly including rape, animal cruelty, cannibalism, and even mass murder. TikTok has not responded to the, to the New York Post request for comment, but spokesperson Hillary McQuaid said in a statement to The uh, Verge, our safety team partners with third-party firms on the critical work of helping to protect the TikTok platform and community, and we continue to expand on a range of wellness services so that the moderators feel supported mentally and emotionally. They're allegedly punishing review process and tells new video assignments every 25 seconds for these moderators. So moderators were forced to watch between three and 10 videos simultaneously to keep up with the untenable pace. It's crazy. Their, their 12-hour shifts include one one-hour break, then as many as five 15-minute break accrued throughout the day. I mean, we could spend a whole radio show talking, right. uh, and we probably will very soon in the near future, on the effects of social media and the onset of PTSD. But to say, to just at, at bare minimum, for those of you listening, um, yeah, Rudy is talking about combat PTSD, but here's the reality. The world in which we live in right now, forget about the life experiences that you've gone through that create traumas, but the stuff that we watch, the stuff that our kids, I wonder the amount of things, maybe we'll talk about just a tad bit in our next segment, but the amount of traumas or little traumas per se that our kids are piling up one on top of another by the amount of social media and the things that they are allowed to view on social media, murder, uh, you know, mass murder, uh, uh, just horrific things that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, none of us would ever thought we'd be able to even see. And now 
not only are we seeing them, but we our young kids are seeing them. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. So we, we got, a, we got a, a, a ton of things that we can talk about in that area. Maybe we'll talk about it on the next break. But we have a break that's coming up. Uh, man, the table's been set today. We got so much to talk about. We want to hear from you, Southern California. Call us right now at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. We want to hear maybe a story that you have regarding your struggle with PTSD, or maybe you have a question for Rudy or myself about PTSD. Um, this is a live show. We'd love to hear from you. You could also shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We'd love to hear from you. But you're listening to Southern California Live, and we'll be right back. My name is Corporal Bradley Joseph Seitz. Captain Joshua Brandon. Bob Murphy. Kate Weber. Jerry Reed. Will Sanchez. And I have PTSD. I have PTSD. I have PTSD. I thought I was uh, losing my mind. Everything just fell apart. I was still in a war zone in my mind. I felt isolated. I felt alone. And I made a choice. I made a choice to go seek treatment. Treatment has definitely helped me. Treatment has turned my life completely around. It was like a new beginning for me. If you're tired of dealing and living the way you are right now, then do something about it. Quit beating yourself up and go ahead and help. You know, that's, that's basically what all I can tell you. But you know you need help, so go get it. That was... A- Audio clip from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're, this is Ed Carlson. You're listening to Southern California Live here on KKLA. And I'm joined by my friend, associate pastor and Navy veteran, Rudy Swigert. And as we talk about PTSD and its impact on our relationships, on life, on work. Um, Rudy, uh, right before the break, you kind of gave us a breakdown of, of um, your experiences. And one of the things that, and I've heard your story multiple times, and so... Um, one of the things you said in the first segment was that you know this concept as you're on your last deployment there in you know um, in Iraq, this concept every day thinking, man, like rockets could be coming and hitting this place. So you're always on like this hyper vigilance. But one of the things you didn't mention that I've heard before that I think is an important part of this too is you were your, your mission while you were there was you were overseeing people that had been detained because they were suspected or actual terrorists. Yeah. And so you're watching these folks, and so this hypervigilance of, man, you have to watch every move. That that would drive any man nuts. So talk a little bit just shortly about that. Yeah, so there are many, many layers to that stress, right? So the first layer is, you know, just being there, just being just being in that region of the world. We're on a base that has some some self-defense, but, but not much long-range defense. So... Um, uh, indirect fire or rockets could could fall out of the sky and blow up parts of the base. That that was that was just a reality of it. Depending on what was taking place uh, in and around uh, the the area, the theater internment facility or TIF that we were um, assigned to to guard uh, during the heyday, uh, uh, the Marines and, and the Army, anybody that was associated with, with anything uh, that was against coalition forces, they were kicking in doors and they were roping people in. 
And then Army intelligence would would separate uh, the threat levels of the people that were brought in. And so Navy Row uh, at uh, Camp Buka, Iraq, was uh, the worst of the worst. It was, they were they were the true bad guys that had been involved in in planting roadside bombs, um, you know, giving out information that could threaten the security of the United States. And so being that was the next layer of, of, of stress, being in the area that we were guarding the worst of the worst that would throw feces on my guards that would riot every single day. They would light things on fire um, and they were a constant physical threat and they hated us, right? They hated us. So we didn't go to work in any joyful type of work environment. They make no mistake. They hated us. And then the third layer of, of stress is, is your days off. You're still there. You're not leaving, yeah. right? So your day off of work is not, hey, I'm going to go to the to the driving range and hit a bucket of balls. Um, you're still in uniform. You're still carrying a weapon. Uh, you're going to the dining facility where the person cooking your meals is an Iraqi. Uh, the person monitoring your internet is an Iraqi. Uh, the person involved with any of the services on the base, right? They're Iraqi. And you're training the um, Iraqi corrections officers to take over your mission. So if you're not in uniform, uh, it's 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 hard to trust anybody. So there were zero days off for um, a good a good thirteen months. Yeah. So all of that being said, those the impact on your life of those experiences. How did the, those traumas really? Yeah. How did they impact your everyday life and relationships when you get back? Just give me an example, like of how that that thing that you just shared with everybody now had an impact on your everyday life and your relationships when you got home. Sure. Uh, it, it, was, it was really uh, in how I, how I dealt with uh, those events, right? Um, coming home, like I mentioned, nothing more to guard. I have no more, no more camaraderie of unit or mission. Um, so really, no days off went to every day off. And I didn't, know, I didn't know how to handle that because my body was still operating at this just, just this like super high vigilant operational tempo. Um, so I would be agitated. And uh, as I'm as I'm agitated, my my spouse doesn't understand. Right. My, my non-military friends, they don't understand. Um, so the only way to, to squash my agitation to be anywhere um, normal was to was to self-medicate. And that was with with uh, alcohol. Um, and, and, and that might be okay for a moment, for an event, for an occasion, but you can't live a life that way. So if you're living your life that way, just with this stuffed down agitation, that's, that's self-medicated through any mind altering substance, um, you're going to deflect accountability with anger. And so yeah. that, that's, that's what, what took place. I was no longer accountable. And if you challenged me on it, I just get angry, right. To diffuse the, 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 the topic and direct it elsewhere. Um, which ended up in in uh, divorce. So we'll talk more about this as in our last segment. But real quickly, how did you how did you go about fixing that, like or, or getting healing from those issues? What did, how did what did that look like? And, I, and I'm moving towards, of course, the gospel here. It's a big thing, right? Well, and that's that's the hope and everything. But just real quickly, in about a minute or so, walk, begin to walk us down that path a little bit of where you began to get that fixed and getting healing from those issues. Well, that that's that's truly the answer, and that's the only answer. As soon as I realized that my identity was not wrapped up in the uniform that I was wearing, 
as soon as I chose to respond to the gospel, and we can talk about how I how I got there also, if you want, the only choice at any sort of peace that surpasses all understanding was by submitting to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And 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 once I made that decision, my entire life began to shift. That's a, that's so good, you know. From what I understand, um, you know, and I just, I'm kind of new experiencing this uh, just over the last year, year and a half in my own life, but. You know, for most people, it's not like PTSD just fully vanishes. Uh, we know that one day very soon when Christ returns and receives you and me, we'll all shed the weight of these very flawed minds and hearts. Um, and as the Scripture says, this body of corruption will put on incorruption. And that's our great hope. That really is. At the end of the day, uh, Rudy, that that's our great hope. But until that day, we still have to carry some of these things, right, and, and learn how to manage, yeah. um, manage our mess. And so what do you – and this I think will be great for those that are listening that's, that are struggling. Um, what do you consistently do to manage those feelings and emotions? Because, again, it, from what I know, it just doesn't vanish. Very true stories have I heard right. that it all goes away and it never comes back again. What do you do consistently to manage those? Right. So trauma, trauma has been a part of my life uh, since a very early age when my parents were divorced when I was six years old. And um, uh, that, that created, you know, some, some habits in my behavior um, that led me through my young, young adult years and through the military and through adulthood and those sorts of things. When, when the life-altering decision to follow Christ is made— in order to get different, you have to do different. So, you, so I begin to modify behaviors for um, what was it that I was allowing to pass before my eyes, right? What, what kind of movies was I watching? What kind of television was I looking at? What kind of music was I listening to? And what messaging were those things? You talked about TikTok earlier. What messaging were those things bringing into my spirit, right? What, what were they doing to either um, uh, enhance my walk with Christ or detract from my walk with Christ? So, uh, you know, I know a lot of your stories, and man, we don't can't, of course, cover all of them. Um, I, I know one of the things that you'd said um, to me in the past, we, we had a lot of conversations, is, you know, you were quick to anger, right? Because it's that hypervigilance. And, and so explain that real quick. Why, why, you know, sometimes you think people with PTSD, man, they're just really mean people. That, well, it's not that. Explain how that works. There's a lot of people out there that understand why people are so quick to anger that, that struggle with PTSD. Yeah, several layers to that as well, right? So one is uh, just misunderstood by our non-military friends. Um, so we're, we're, we're walking around with 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 that sort of mindset, like nobody understands me. Nobody, nobody understands. Unless you've been on the dirt next to me overseas, you don't, you can't understand what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. And then you started the clip with with, uh, or you started the segment with the with the audio clip from from VA. Um, some some's experience with the VA as a resource has been has been challenging to say the least it it's uh um it's not always helpful not always quick um not always responding to the immediate needs that the service members bring home and so that 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 also in and of itself leads to i got nowhere to turn um and i and i and i don't know what to do or how to deal with it therefore um i'm going to resort back to deflecting accountability and i'm going to use anger to do that 
Yeah, yeah. You know, as I hear these stories, and, and I, you know, I've had multiple family members that uh, were in the military. My dad being one of them. Um, he was a chaplain, and um, it, it uh, you know, he grew up. He's part of the what they call the greatest generation, and uh, so I've always had a, a, a deep reverence and respect and gratefulness for. Um, the veterans, but I, I just want to encourage and challenge those that are listening. You know, every time you see a veteran, uh, let them know how much you appreciate them. Let, let them know how much, just thank them for their service. And, and here's why, because they did, they, they really offered up their life in defense of yours so that you and I could have freedom, so that you and I could live a life free of tyranny. They took on tyranny so that we could live free from that. But one of the things as well, the reason I do it, every single time I see a veteran and, and I'll say thank you for your, if I know that they're a veteran, I'll say thank you for your service or you know, buy their coffee or whatever, is exactly what uh, Rudy said is because you don't know what they're struggling with. There's many of them that think that they're not appreciated, that they people don't understand them, that, that you know, and so anything that we can do, I, I, I really, it is an opportunity for us as individuals to share the love of Jesus Christ with many, not every veteran is, is, is a, a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, and so there are veterans that need Jesus. As Rudy said just a little bit ago, the great hope for PTSD, the great hope for all of our L's is Jesus Christ. And, and, and sometimes we get an opportunity like I do right now to speak to tens of thousands of people about Jesus, but sometimes it's just as simple as finding somebody in Starbucks or finding somebody in a restaurant or in the mall. And how do we do that? We may not get an opportunity to give a three-point message about how people need Jesus, but what we can do is that we can be Jesus with skin on. We can love them. We can give them some hope. We can thank them. We can be respectful to them. And I don't know how many times just being honorable to people, being respectful to people, and letting them know a deep and sincere thank you will do tremendous wonders for a veteran or anybody for that matter. And we're going to talk about in this last segment, and we get to in just a second, for other people that aren't combat veterans, but just people out there that are struggling with PTSD, that people need to hear that they're valued, that you want to care for them, and that there's people out there that really do appreciate them. Well, we have one more segment after the break, and we still have time for your call. So give us a call at 888-52-TALK. That's 888-528-2557. Or shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. This is Ed Carlson, and you're listening to 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Man, I love that song. My God is faithful. He will always, always come through. And if you're out there today, you're struggling with whatever you're going through, God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he is faithful, and he will see you through whatever you're going through right now. But it's been so great to be with you today, and it's been great having Navy veteran, pastor, and good friend of mine, Rudy Swigert, with me today. I know that you all have enjoyed it as well. I just some some stats here as we kind of end uh, today in this segment. Seventy um, percent of adults in the U.S. have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. Think about that. Seventy percent. Uh, that's a little bit more than two hundred twenty-three million people. 
And the reason I say that is because that's what how PTSD happens. Listen, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so PTSD happens through traumatic events. Um, and they happen, you know, it doesn't have to be, maybe you're, you're out there and you go, well, I'm not a veteran, maybe I don't have PTSD. No, 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 listen. It's not just the big trauma. When we say trauma, we think of like the big stuff, right? And, you know, we see mass violence or mass death or, you know, we could go on and on about what those big traumas would be. But do we, we even have what I call little traumas that begin to add up over time, over the years. And when not dealt with, they become something really big. It says up to 20% of those people that I just mentioned, the 223 million, go on to develop PTSD. As of today, that's 31.3 million people who did or are struggling with PTSD. An estimated 8% of Americans, that's 24.4 million people, have PTSD at any given time throughout the day. An estimated 1 out of 10 women develop PTSD, and women are about twice as likely as men to develop PTSD. And among people who are victims of a severe traumatic experience, 60 to 80%, think about that, will develop PTSD from that event. Some staggering statistics. But I want to take the last few moments we have together today just to kind of land the plane, so to speak, on this topic and and offer some rays of hope for those struggling today. And so, Rudy, um, tell us the impact that Christ has had on your PTSD? Because there's those, some that are out there that are listening right now, they, and, and they truly are struggling with PTSD. And maybe right now, today is the first time they're going, you know what? I think I, I might really have PTSD from this event that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even this last year, because I've been having some issues that they're talking about today. How has Christ, your relationship with Christ, how has it impacted your PTSD? Yeah, and I would even back up a little and and just say that a severe traumatic experience that you that you mentioned does not have to be tied to uh a combat situation. Um a divorce uh at a young age for your children is a severe traumatic experience. Yep. Uh, that will shape uh their lives and how they respond uh for the rest of their life. Um, the relationship with with Christ is is the baseline. It, everything that you do steps off of that baseline. Um, it doesn't mean that bad things stop happening. We we live in the world and we're and we're at the mercy of the prince of the power of the air, and so trauma will continue to happen in your life, whether it's one time or several little traumas that take place over time that that build up. The difference with Christ in our lives is that how we choose to respond to those traumatic events dramatically changes from how you would have responded have you, had you not had Christ in your life. When I didn't have Christ in my life, I chose to respond to trauma with alcohol and anger. With Christ in my life, I choose to respond with putting on the full armor of God and just... Um, uh, diving deep into his word and, and listening and believing in his promises as opposed to believing in the lies that are being told to me through either social media, through the media, and other examples of, of um, things that are just not, not true. So how, how I choose to manage PTSD today with Christ in my life looks dramatically different in a healthy way than it did previously. That's good. Um. It- there's many that are out there that are are struggling right now, Rudy, with PTSD, and, and uh, 
you know, they have symptoms every day. Many of them probably a lot like with anxiety is kind of a lot where it starts and they struggle with anxiety. And so they're maybe at the beginnings of, uh, of trying to figure it out, maybe meeting with a counselor. That's also a benefit. I encourage folks to do that. Find a great Christian counselor. Um, and they'll help you out tremendously. But what are some initial things that you do to alleviate the symptoms, Rudy? And, and what do you do that is ongoing to be on the offensive with your PTSD? Yeah, so I would absolutely seek counseling. Um, and if they're non-Christian counselors, I would just be careful and aware of medication. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to not be medicated in any way, shape, or form uh, if, 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 possible. if possible. So, yep, yeah. So, so I would cut out anything, any, anything alcohol-related, anything illicit drug-related. I would cut anything out that, that puts poisons into your body that, that um, do not promote uh, a healthy mindset. Uh, I would implement a good diet and exercise regimen if, if you're not doing that yet and find healthy outlets for your anger, um, including the, the display of the fruits of the spirit, right? With, which is, you know, patience, kindness, uh, you'll, you'll see a difference in yourself and so will your, your family. Um, so the differences in, in my day now is, is, is just that you, you cut out anything that's gonna, that's going to bring, um, you know, false information into your brain that, that causes you to respond from a position of fear and just uh, promote healthy habits uh, with, with Christ at the center of all of it. And I, and I would add to that, and I'm not an expert at this, but just some things that help me, uh, is also just have a schedule. Like stay mm-hmm. busy, right? Like when we just sit there and we're left to ourselves, every single one of us Absolutely. are really bad counselors to ourselves. You know, we, we have to be regimented, all of us. We, sure. We, God is a God of order. We are people that, that, that really, whether we like it or not, crave order. You know, yes. whether we think so or not, we crave order. We operate better with order. And so if that looks like you get up in the morning and you exercise and you do that healthy thing before you go to work and then during your work day, maybe you're listening to different music stations that, that promote you know joy and love of, of Jesus – um, and then maybe you get involved in your church and serve others, right? So don't try to manage all of this by yourself in your home. Get out and serve others. And there's healing in the in the serving. Amen. Amen. I, I would super duper encourage all of you guys. Um, all the stuff that Rudy has said has been, is great. Um, uh, but if you're not, listen, if you're listening right now, believe it or not, there are many that listen to KKLA uh, that are not believers in Jesus. They're searching. Uh, they are trying to figure out. I was amazed at the numbers. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but people that listen to KKLA that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I think that's amazing. And, and I'm glad that you're listening. If that's you out there, I I am, am encouraged that you're listening. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you that if you have some struggles in your life, if you are at a place in your life where you have a lot of anxiety, you're perhaps you do struggle with PTSD, but maybe you don't, and maybe you're just trying to get through this crazy thing that we call life. I want to encourage you to turn your life over to Jesus. We would love to talk to you here. You can call in and we can talk to you and we'll walk through that. But find Jesus. Jesus is knocking at your door. He loves you. He's ready to receive you. He came to die just for you. And he has a great plan for your life. And he will not invalidate you. Uh, he, will, he cherishes you. He has a great plan. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He's got great things in store for you, but you must give your life to him. 
give your life to him today. And it's very simple. All you really have to do is this, is say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, and you died and you rose again. And I believe that you are Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the chosen one, and I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. So forgive me today. Come into my life. And if you'll do that, your life will be forever different. It will be incredible, the journey that he takes you on. Well, Rudy, in one to two minutes, give us some final thoughts today about this topic and some encouragement to the folks. Yeah, so we, we, we all, every single one of us, experiences trauma in, in different ways uh, throughout their life. I would say, like I mentioned at the beginning of, of our hour, determine what your identity is. Understand your identity, not just who you are, but whose you are. And when you come to that understanding with an identity, not as an American service member, not as a police officer, firefighter, husband, father, mother, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, your identity is not in your position. Your identity is in who you were created to be and what you were created to do. And so when you come to the understanding of that your identity rests in Christ, then you begin to respond in the ways that he would that he has created you to respond. So start there. Um, seek to understand, like, like Ed has, has said, and dive into Scripture and just really get to know him on a significant and deeper level, if you don't already. Uh, and then that will bring everything that I mentioned, including the peace that surpasses all understanding. It won't stop the trauma but it will, it will provide for a healthier dynamic in your life as a result. So good. So good. Rudy, thank you so much, man, for being with us today. It's been a super-duper pleasure. It's been my pleasure. pleasure, man. Absolutely. Definitely have you back in the thank future. You. And, uh, man, you're, you're awesome. Thank you, sir. And I thank you for your service. I appreciate you. I appreciate you fighting for our nation and keeping yeah. us safe and all the work that you did. So I appreciate that. Well, regardless of the circumstances, folks, no matter what experience you have, there is hope. First and foremost, that hope comes from God in the form of Jesus Christ. The treatment process for PTSD can be quite a bit, and as we said, needed. I think for most of you out there that are struggling with PTSD, it should involve a combination of physical, mental, and and spiritual healing, all of those that Rudy had mentioned and we've talked about. Many will require professional help. And I want to encourage you, listen, it is never a bad thing to get some great Christian counseling. For those with combat-related PTSD, it is likely preferable to receive help from someone experienced in treating combat-specific PTSD. There are multiple therapeutic remedies for PTSD that are available, ranging from uh, talk therapy or what's often called cognitive behavioral therapy to cognitive uh, reprocessing to even... Uh, new things called the EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Uh, there's other methods. Sometimes, as we said, you know, medication may also help alleviate some symptoms. We want to not always go there the first thing, but there are maybe some that need that. But there's certainly a network of support, counselors, doctors, family members, pastors, the church community. All of those are so important in the recovery process. But of course, the most important support is God because he is our ultimate healer and our counselor. I want you to remember two truths today. Number one, you're not alone. You are not alone. And number two, there is hope. 
But the last thing is this. If you're struggling today, I just want to tell you, depend on your doctors, depend on your counselors, and depend on your pastors. But abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. That's all we have for today. But I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend my day with you. This is Ed Carlson. I'm signing off. Until next time, this is KKLA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.